I want to read Hebrews 13, 8. And then if you'd turn back after the reading of that to Matthew, the 17th chapter. Oh, hallelujah. You feel good in the Lord? Praise God. I feel good in the Holy Ghost. Oh, praise God. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. And then turn back in your Bibles to Matthew the 17th chapter. And let's read verse 2. And this is speaking of Jesus. Something that happened to Jesus in the presence of three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. The Bible says, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Praise God. And you may be seated, <coughs> and I will make reference to these two scriptures again. I just want to uh, inform you of a couple of things. We went down to Brother Jeff Vom's wedding yesterday. Actually, it took place at 7 o'clock last night. It was most unusual, uh, which you probably would figure that. <clears throat> Brother Jeff and Sister Valerie are no doubt the most untraditional Pentecostals that <clears throat> are non-traditional, maybe I'd say, that you have ever seen. Uh, <clears throat> it was the first wedding I have ever been in in which the bride and the groom danced and talked in tongues and shouted hallelujah and leaped up almost to the ceiling. <clears throat> and yet the wedding only lasted, what, uh, Sister Grant, five minutes? <clears throat> Something like that. Just uh, They want to just skip all the fanfare stuff and <clears throat> just exchange vows and talk in tongues and dance. <laughs> <clears throat> that they did. <clears throat> I told Brother Jeff, I said, your kiss lasted longer than the wedding. <laughs> it was the longest thing in the wedding. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you, they're quite a, quite a couple. <clears throat> quite a couple. Brother Williams told me, he said, now, <clears throat> Valerie is just not traditional. I just don't understand understands that she's just not like everybody else in our church. I said, well, <clears throat> you probably noticed Brother Jeff's not very traditional either. <laughs> he had noticed already. Brother Jeff's father was there. Brother Jeff's father is the uh, general manager of Wisconsin Supply. Uh, he knows quite a few people here in our church talking about Ray Hughes. Uh, I think he knows Rich Thomas. Uh, I don't know if you know him on a first-name basis or whatever, but he and his wife were there, and <clears throat> I had a long visit with them. And they live out Stoughton Way on one end of Lake Egonson. We live on the McFarland side, and he knew exactly where we lived. And he promised me he'd be coming out to church. And he says, my son has really got my curiosity up. 
That's what, that's what he said. He said, he's really got my curiosity. He said, I just, I can't hardly imagine what your church is like. I did tell him this. I said, well, it is somewhat different when he's not in service. <laughs> you know what he said? He said, well, I will say this. I don't really know anything about your church other than what it has done for Jeff. Then his mother said, Pastor, you no doubt did not know him before he came to your church. I said, no. She said, he was a mess. I really mean it. First class. And she said, I have never in my life seen such a change in a human being. Never. <clears throat> she said, we are quite happy that he's flipped out over religion. <clears throat> said, it's a whole lot better than what he was flipped out over before. You know, occasionally you hear parents say, I'd rather than be flipped out on drugs than religion. I've, I've been told that. But it is good to hear someone say that. They said, we have got to come and find out about your church. Our curiosity is up. <clears throat> Praise God. <clears throat> this next week I will be going to St. Louis to the general board meeting. I do want you to pray. I, I'm going to have to be gone on Saturday and Sunday of this next week. And and I am, uh, <clears throat> I would just rather take a good old-fashioned beating than go down there. <clears throat> I'm serious with you. I, I'm a member of the budget committee, and we, what we have to do this time, we've got to look at all of the salaries of everyone that works at headquarters and all the operation of the departments and set the budgets and set the salaries. And it's just a, it's a, going to be a big, big workload. I'll be working from tomorrow night through next Tuesday afternoon, a week from this coming Tuesday. So pray for me. I'm going to be praying for you. I will assure you I'm not, uh, I get off on Sunday to go to church. Uh, but I will assure you that I, uh, I'm going to miss, miss service. No, let me tell you something. We're fasting. We got the 40-day chain fast for our youth revival. Brother Jack Yance is coming to be with us. Jack Yance a second. Brother Yance preached our youth week last year and did a terrific job. I will say this. Since last year, I've had a good number of ministers say, that this man's ministry has developed so much in the last year. Well, I thought last year he just did a superb job. <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to having him. Brother Hook told me, Brother Hook is a pastor in Waukesha, he said, I've never had a revival in which I heard any better preaching than I, than I heard when Brother Yance was with us. And he said, Brother Grant, God has really blessed his ministry. Of course, he's a real dedicated Young man, I'm looking forward to, to having him. Uh, we will be having Brother Bridges to come and be with us in the early part of February, which we will be stressing home Bible studies, emphasizing evangelism. And then uh, we will be having, in the month of May, we'll be having Brother Randy Hollis to come and be with us. We're expecting a 100-soul revival. Now, <clears throat> 
I, I'm saying all that to say this, that if, if we have our 100-soul revival, or maybe I should say when we have our 100-soul revival, and, and when we have the number of people to receive the Holy Ghost prior to that, you've got to understand, this building might not be able to seat all the people. Now, <clears throat> you know, we'd have to put people all around. We may even have to go to two services. Can you believe that? It's all right, isn't it? Now, <clears throat> I want you to start believing God for that. Believe God for that. Every time you pray, pray about souls. Pray about souls. God is doing a great work in this planet Earth because the time is short. I really do believe the time is short. And because the time is short... I'm preaching what I'm preaching tonight. I'm going to preach on the subject of change. Now, <clears throat> I read Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. In other words, God is what we call immutable. That means he never changes. And then I talk about change. And yet, <clears throat> in the book of Matthew, the 17th chapter, verse 2, and he was transfigured. The word transfigured and transformed mean the same. That means, and Jesus Christ was changed. That is, his personal appearance was changed. <clears throat> now, God is the never-changing God, and yet the immutable God changed. Well, it sounds like a contradiction. There, there are several things in the Scripture that, that we have to understand about God. Uh, and and this, is, this is the where the mystery of godliness comes in. You know, what Paul says in, in 1 Timothy 3.16, For without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. For God was manifest in the flesh justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Now what he was saying is that the mystery of godliness is like this. Even though it is mysterious, here is the revelation. Now when you find the word mystery in the New Testament, quite often it really means revelation. But it has to come by revelation. In other words, something divinely sacred has to overshadow the mind in order for the mind to comprehend that particular aspect of God. Um, there are other places in the Scripture that I think I could draw a very similar conclusion that might sound like a contradiction. See, God is omnipresent. That means He's everywhere. Yet the omnipresent God did not stay in one spot when he was in the cloud and the cloud moved or the pillar of fire moved. So what we can say is that God has the ability to move and yet stay where he was after he moves. It's kind of a... I'll explain how I feel about that. So he moved, and yet he stayed. 
So, so God has the ability to change and yet at the same time remain the same. Now basically, what the disciples saw, they, he was transfigured. They, he was changed before their presence, but he was that way all the time. That's just something they could not see. And the reason why that God moved, he wanted this visible theophany, which is a, 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 a demonstration or a, a visible a substance from God, a manifestation of God moving, but yet God was, even though he was moving, he, he really never moved. It was something they saw to focus their attention. See, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. <clears throat> uh, here's, here's a shocker. You know, you, you tell a person who hasn't received the Holy Ghost that God's not in them. They couldn't be breathing if God wasn't there. <clears throat> you think about that now. Could they be breathing if they weren't full of God? But you see, God manifests Himself for the purpose of regeneration and rebirth. And for this reason, the Bible uses the term they were filled with the Holy Ghost. But if, I mean, if God was there to start with, am I confusing someone? This is one of the great mysteries of God. I mean, in Him we live and we breathe and you know, we have our being. See. <clears throat> but God manifests Himself in a particular way to, to ensure the people that His Holy Spirit is actually performing regeneration. It's taking place. It's... it's it is, it's doing more than just residing. It's changing. It's changing. Well, another uh, aspect we need to look at was that God became man, and yet He was still God. Follow what I'm saying. And I know some Trinitarians, they say, you mean to tell me you believe that the world was ruled through the eyes of a man? Well, I never said that. I believe that Jesus Christ was God with us. But just because that he manifested himself in the form of a man, which is sonship, he did not cease to be God, which is the Father. See? He did not cease to be. Now... <clears throat> An understanding of this only comes by divine enablement. Everything about God is revelatory. You just don't pick up the Bible and just read and say, Oh, good book, I understand it. <clears throat> it doesn't make any difference how smart you are. There are some people that are brilliant enough they can pick up almost any textbook and read it and comprehend it. But nobody is brilliant enough to pick up the Bible and read it and comprehend it. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that God has the ability to forget. And yet, He is called the omniscient God, or He's all-knowing. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? 
So God is a God that knows everything, and yet He has the ability to forget things that man doesn't even have the ability to forget. <clears throat> Basically, when He says He forgets, that simply means that God has the ability to take certain pieces of information that's derogatory to an individual, and after they've asked Him to forgive it, them, He has the ability to block it out of His mind so that his dealings with man are as if he never knew that they did this horrible, horrible thing. Now, like I said, all this comes by revelation. Now, when we talk about change, God is a God that's extremely predictable. He remains the same. And yet, the Bible speaks about His Holy Spirit moving upon us and changing us. So we want to talk about the change that the Holy Ghost makes upon you more than the change that sometimes takes place in a demonstration of God Himself. The value of change. First, let's talk about some things that we should never change. The value of of, of never changing. One thing is like our doctrine. The doctrines that are set forth in the Bible, we call the, the Bible the infallible Word of God. By infallible, that simply means that it is without contradiction. It, it is without uh, error. It, it, is, it is perfect. It is God's Word. Now, we, all, we also have a deeper understanding, and that is that in its original context that it was that way, some translations may, may subtract from the infallibility of the Word. Some, tra some, <clears throat> some translations may be somewhat contradictory because man, in putting his own commentary into the translations has purposefully tried to lead people to believe certain things about God because that is the way they comprehend it. And I don't mind saying this like the Jehovah's Witness New World Translation. All you have to do is go down to the library and read about the history of this translation and how it came about. See? That the founder of their religion, a gentleman by the name of Russell, who did not even know the Greek alphabet, took Barry's interlinear and put this together. It's more of a commentary of what this man thought of God and of life. And it's amazing how, how, what effect lies have upon people. It really is. But he may have taken the translation from a manuscript, and I understand he used a couple of manuscripts, but for the most part, he used the King James Version and, 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 and sought the Greek and, and it, 
and just pretty much put, a, put together a commentary. But it is possible to take something that is totally perfect and in, interject your own thoughts and come out with something that's less than perfect. So when people ask me, is the Bible without contradiction or without error? I say the original Bible was without contradiction or error. And I believe that God has given us enough Holy Spirit in order for us to take various translations of the Bible, I think down through the years, we use the King James Version, let me tell you why. Down through the years, the King James Version has, beyond a shadow of a doubt, stood up uh, time after time after time after time against the arguments and such of non-religious people who have taken the ancient manuscripts and they have decided that the Bible uh, was translated purposely and it contains a lot of errors. I do not believe that. Another reason why we use the King James is because it is in Old English poetic form and truthfully it is easier to memorize than it is the modern language translations. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, some of the modern language translations have purposefully omitted certain words like the blood. See, good news for modern man, 52 times in that translation, the word blood, which appeared in the original, is not in that. And the truth of the matter is, we cannot be saved without the blood. We do live in a, a changing world, and, and sometimes Christians, because when they, uh, especially fundamental Christians, when they, they hear the word change, they cringe, because to them, change means compromise. Now, there are certain things that we should never compromise on, that is, the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 1, verse 8, but though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. The Apostle Paul said, now look, there are certain things that I do not have the ability to change. If I come along and tell you, you don't have to repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost, which is the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15. He says, if I tell you that, don't believe me. He said, if anybody else comes along and tells you, don't believe them. If an angel from heaven comes and gives you that so-called once-in-a-lifetime revelation, don't believe that angel, because it is not from God. You know, I just talked about the Antichrist, the false prophet, and, <coughs> and you know, it, it's amazing when you read in the Bible the tremendous effect that that the miracles that will take place at the hands of the Antichrist and the false prophet will have upon the human race. It seems to be the one thing that the human race will go after. I just got to tell you, I don't get excited about just everybody that's out there proclaiming to be doing miracles. Now, I am not judgmental. 
because I think I can show you in the Scripture where I shouldn't be. Basically what I'm saying, I'm more interested in what the man preaches. And if you're more interested in the miracles that are being performed by the man, but rather than what he preaches as far as salvation, what you're saying is that you place more emphasis on this life and the body than you do upon eternal life and the soul. And the human race has always gone after the here and the now rather than the reward that's waiting at the end of the road. Hello? That's not to say we should not have more miracles. We should. We need healings. Jesus performed healings. We need miracles. We need devils cast out. We need blind people to be able to see. Deaf people to be able to hear. Crippled people to be able to walk. Cancers to be able to, to be healed, to fall off of bodies. We need that. And just because that I'm saying what I'm saying does not mean I'm not wanting that. I'm just saying that to show you the value of placing emphasis in the right place. I'd far rather have a 100-soul revival than to have 100 people healed. The truth of the matter is we could have both. And that's what we need. And everybody say amen to that. Amen. And that's exactly what we need. Now, <clears throat> the amazing thing about change is, though, that, that some people, when they start changing traditional methods and ideas, they feel that they have to go so far as changing doctrine. And that's not necessarily true. It just shouldn't be that way. Uh, <clears throat> I think a good example is found in the Old Testament. God gave Israel the Ten Commandments to solidify their faith in Almighty God and also to give them a wholesome relationship with each other. But at the same time, He put the cloud up there and He put the pillar of fire up there, and this is what he's saying. The Ten Commandments will hold you in your relationship with God and your relationship with each other, but I want you to keep your bags packed and don't drive your stake, your, your tent stakes too deep because you've got to pull up from here and you're going to have to move. What he's saying is some things should never be changed and some things have to be in constant change. That's the way it is. Every now and then I have the opportunity to speak to a married person who after they got married feels that they're not married anymore. You know, there is such a thing as being married but not having a married spirit. I said, look, you can court all you want to court. But when you get serious about a girl and you propose to her, after that the courting is over. And once you stand up at the altar and you say, I do, you are married for life to that person. Now that's God's law. You may say, what are you talking about? We are married to the doctrine. There's no escape. When we said, I do, at the altar, I meant we became one with God, we took on His name in baptism, and we are to remain that way until death do us part. 
but the method by which that gospel is preached. You know, it's like the courting stage. In other words, we don't think there's anything sacred about a method. You may say, well, why are you talking about this? Because, you see, in many churches, even some churches where the truth is preached, they become more interested in how they do something as opposed to what they do. Just give you another example. The Jehovah's Witness, they are all against non-traditional religions. I just received a letter from a young lady, and she said, back in 1983, I was baptized in your church. Now, she said, I belong to the JWs. And because I belong to the JWs, we'd like for you to take my, my name and all the records of my baptism and such, and we'd like for you to throw them away because we know that we are not to belong to this world nor any of the system of this world if we want to be saved. My name has to be removed from your books. Well, that's kind of dumb, because what if I refuse to remove it? Now, what's going to happen to her? You know, it's just kind of a dumb thing, isn't it? You know, what she's really saying, I don't understand. I don't think she understands what she's saying. So, of course, <laughs> the thing about it is it's not on our books anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she obviously thinks it is. But not too long ago, I was talking to Jehovah's Witness, and, and this is what the person told me. He said, yes, but we have this doctrine that you have to go from door to door. Do your people go from door to door? I said, well, not as many as should. Yeah, but if you're going to be a JW, you have to go from door to door. Because that's the way the witnesses do it. If you're going to be saved now, you have to go to door to door. I said, now let me ask you a question. <clears throat> what is the most important thing in your life? What you tell them when you go to the door or the fact that you go to the door? He said, well, I think maybe what you tell them. I said, then let's drop this business about whether we should or should not go to the door, and let's talk about what we ought to tell people when we get to the door. Let's talk about the doctrine. After we have thoroughly discussed the doctrine, then we'll talk about how we're going to spread that doctrine. You know, it is amazing, you know, that in, in the Old Testament, as far as as the Jewish people were concerned, they weren't much on evangelism. <clears throat> but tradition, see, becomes a curse when people refuse to change, even when change is in order. In other words, what happens is that they make their method the sacred thing. Now, you can go to some churches, and you don't have to have anybody leading a service because you know exactly what's going to take place. And if they have a hymn number posted up on, on the ledger, and you see that hymn number, you can turn in that hymn book. Nobody has to lead that song. You know how that song is going to be sung. You know, you know all about it. You know how to start it. You know how to end it. You know how to sing it as it goes along, because everybody's been doing that for as long as there's been that religion in the world. That's the way they've done it. 
And they're going to keep doing it. And you try to change that. And you'll find out that you, you'll have a fight on your hands. This is the way we've always done it. Now, sometimes Pentecostals can get in those ruts. We don't want to pick on everybody else and leave ourselves out of it. <coughs> I went and preached at a church. One time, this church was considered considering me to be the pastor. And I went and preached. It's been many, many, many years ago. And when, when I went there, they had, they had this remodeled church. And it was a beautiful church. But I noticed that they had this old-fashioned altar bench. They had a bench down in the front. So everything looked modern and new. Here's this old-fashioned altar. So after service was over, I, I, and I noticed that everybody wanted to pray on that altar. So I, I just was curious enough to talk to them. So I asked them, I said, what, what about the altar? Oh, one lady says, that's sacred to us. She said, most all of us prayed through at that altar. And when we built this new church, we told the pastor, that old altar is going in this new building. She's placing more emphasis on the altar than she is the God of the altar. In other words, she can't even pray unless she goes to that old altar. Well, <clears throat> I wasn't real serious about the church, and and, and, and never got real serious about it. But one thing I did say, I, I did tell one of the brothers, I said, well, one thing for sure, the old altar is going to go. <clears throat> I was going to tell you outright, if you have a vote on me, remember, it's going to go. What if we won't let you go? I said, I'll take my skill saw and saw it up, and it'll be already burned before anybody knows it. That's what it's going to be. Because you're in love with a piece of furniture. That's going to burn up with the world. But my friend, the Bible says the word of the Lord that I am built upon is solid and sure that heaven and earth may pass away. But that word will endure forever. The method is sacred, but the Bible's not sacred to some people. And it's amazing how they look at the Bible and say, oh, I don't believe this and I don't believe that. Churches all over town are doing that, my friend. Talk with some of the pastors. One man not too long ago says, well, we, we, we were told that you didn't have to believe this. You don't have to believe this. This business of Noah and the ark, we're not for sure that ever happened. We're not for sure that Adam was the first man that ever walked on the face of the earth. What do you believe? Well, we're not for sure of that either. But make sure when you go to church that hymn number 259 is sung the way we've been singing it since there was a world. That's the way we're going to do it. In other words, that's sacred to us, but the things that ought to be sacred are not sacred. <laughs> you see, that's, that's the problem with the Pharisees. They taught the traditions of men, the doctrines of men. They taught them, they became sacred to them, and they made them the commandments of God to those men. And when those people were saved and became converts of theirs, the Bible says they became twofold more a product for hell than they themselves. Because they refused to change. In other words, the cloud was moving. They were changing the Bible. The things they weren't supposed to change, they wanted to change it. And the things that they should change, they refused to change. Amen.
You know, we come in here, we think that, well, the service got to be run this way. You got to have the praise singers up. They got to sing for a little while. And then the service leader has to get up. And we're going to read these prayer requests. And we go through all this. We think that's the way it ought to be. But see, the Holy Ghost changes. You know what changed the presence of the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration? It was the Holy Ghost. And when He, the Spirit of truth, shall come, He shall lead you into all truth. Let's talk about the value of change. Now, when you grow, you change. <clears throat> you know that? And when churches grow, they change. It's amazing. <clears throat> uh Brother Meadows, it wasn't a remarkable message he preached. Sister Meadows, too, they did such a great job preaching on prayer. But uh, he brought this picture out of Sister Grant and I. He all wanted a picture. We, we weren't putting this picture up, so I, I just collected a few pictures and brought them in. He chose those two, the one of the horse and the one of Brother and Sister Grant. And uh, someone just you know looked at this. Uh, uh, Brother Kurt was so kind. He said, well, uh, he said, uh, I think it was Brother Kurt said this. Was it Brother Kurt? Someone said, who is that, uh, who was that young skinny guy that Sister Grant had a picture made with? Is that not, who, who told me that anyway? I told somebody that Kurt Elkie said that, but maybe it wasn't. But somebody told me that. And I said, uh, well, uh, what are you trying to say? He said, aren't you jealous that she'd have her picture made with some young skinny guy like that? And I said, absolutely not. They said, why? I said, well, she dropped him for me. <laughs> <laughs> but when you grow you do change and change is always necessary <clears throat> now I'm not one that I like to rock the boat a lot I'm, I'm kind of a routine guy I, I, I really am and you know that I am I don't like to change things unless there is a reason but I do know this that the Holy Ghost does change people and I believe the Holy Ghost will lead us and guide us. The doctrine never changes. But as much as, as the Jews had a doctrine that never changed, also they got locked into this business. Well, we've never been evangelistic. People have always come to us, and we're not going to go. And God calls upon a prophet by the name of Jonah, and Jonah just outright refuses to go because we have never gone out evangelizing before. And as you very well know, he not only got in trouble with himself, he got in trouble with God. I mean, he got in trouble with God. The gospel, the Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Basically, we have to put the go back into the gospel. The gospel is something that is sacred to my heart and sacred to your heart, but we're going to have to find ways to get the gospel to men. I'm not for sure exactly what we need to do. We've been teaching home Bible studies for a long time. We've got to have people going out on bus routes, and I'm thankful for all of the results that everybody's having. We've got campus students that have been working for years and years and years on the University of Wisconsin campus. But somehow in these last days, and I'm not for sure what we need to do, but we need to pray and we need to seek God. And if change is in order, we need to be willing to make the change. Why? Because souls, heart-beating, pulsating, live, human souls are dying, lost without God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
<laughs> praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We need the breath of God to blow upon us over us afresh, to, to change us, to, to move upon us. Now God is, is omnipresent, but the Bible says that God, His voice spoke to the void. He breathed upon the void, and a world came into existence. That's what the Holy Ghost does. The Bible says that He breathed again upon the face of the earth, and the waters were divided from the dry uh, the, the, the land, and, and so we have the seas, and, and after a while God made man and breathed then upon him the breath of life, and he became a living soul. He also, the Bible tells us that He breathed upon the, those people in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, and the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. In other words, His breath changes and His Word changes and we need a fresh breath of the voice of God upon us to transform us, to change us. Oh, we'll hold fast to the doctrine. We'll keep on preaching the doctrine, but we need the breath of God upon us so that we can put the go back in the gospel and reach people with the only saving message before it's too late. You know, the human being is the most flexible creature on the face of the earth. I'm, I'm really amazed at how flexible the human being is. There are certain species of animals <coughs> that come out of Asia, some out of Africa, some out of uh, South America, some out of North America. <coughs> Hardly ever do you find a species that's just worldwide. The human being is able to reside from almost the North Pole to the South Pole and all around the world and all the islands and all the continents. It's really amazing. And, and it's also amazing to me how flexible that, that children can be. Think of all the broken homes. And, you know, I know nothing sadder than, than, than a broken home. Mother and a father parting when there's children in, in the household. You think about the emotional stress and strain. I have observed this, though, that, <clears throat> that the children seem to adapt and, and understand it and cope with it a lot easier than, than father and mother can cope with it. I've also observed this in the years that I've been pastoring, that for the most part, that after the children marry and a divorce occurs, it's harder on married children who are not at home than it is little children who, who are at home. Now, I said that to say this. It just looks like that the human being, the longer he lives, the more he gets into a routine of doing things, and when that routine is broken, then it, it is extremely painful extremely painful. Uh, <clears throat> this is the reason why that I believe that you don't see very many people uh, being converted to another uh, walk with God after uh, <clears throat> they settle in seemingly for life. Middle-aged people. Isn't that true? Look around. We have more young people coming to God than, uh, than older people. You don't find many people in their 50s and 60s and 70s uh, coming to God. Why? They just get locked in on a method of doing things. <clears throat> They're not too interested in changing. They just become satisfied with what we call the status quo. You know, you, you meet some people and ask them how they're doing. Oh, just so-so. You, you, know, you hear that, don't you? Oh, just so-so. Uh, <clears throat> another one you hear, more down south than you do here. How, how are you doing? It's just all fair to middling. That means uh, average, kind of mediocre, 
just kind of good, just so-so. You've heard that, haven't you? Status quo. <clears throat> people, people get happy with that. <clears throat> and life seems to put people in a rut. I've noticed this too on Pentecostals. The longer you do certain things a certain way, the harder it is to break that habit of doing it. <clears throat> Some of you, if you ever moved to another city, you'd have trouble serving God. It wouldn't be the church. It wouldn't be the preacher. It'd be because you wouldn't be able to sit in the same spot. You, you know, we laugh about that, but it means it means a lot, doesn't it? Uh, Don and Peggy Moran, ever since they've been in church, they've sat right there. I, I don't oppose that. I, th I think it's beautiful because I can keep up with people that way. <laughs> they was having the baby, and Don says, well... anything I can help you with. He said, well, just save our spot. <laughs> now, we're all laughing, but, but some of you are always. <clears throat> I, I looked over, and I, I, I saw Samantha back in church tonight. <clears throat> because since she's been attending, even before she gave her heart to God, she was always right there. I mean, just right there. And, and there's certain things, there's certain methods that are, that are just so great. You get in the habit of doing things. When you first give your heart to God, you get in the habit of praying every day. When you get up, pray before you retire. You get in the habit of doing that every day, every day, every day. Now, you've got to keep in mind, though, that just because you pray and you're in the habit of praying doesn't really mean that you reach the throne of God. You also need to get in the habit of touching God and reaching God, having the Holy Spirit minister to you, and you minister also to God. Some people, they just feel well by, like praying over their meals. You know, and I have to admit that I get in these, these ruts not too long ago. Sister Grant and I were eating, and we looked at Jen and said, did we pray? Well, we always have. I guess we did. Well, if we did, who did? <clears throat> I'm not for sure. And if I did pray, what did I say? I must have mentioned the food. I always do. <clears throat> I said, well, hold it. The truth of the matter is, if we're in such a rut that we don't know who prayed, or we don't even know if we prayed, and certainly we don't know what we said, we owe it to our God to clear our mouths, stop chewing, bow our heads, and let's pray again. We owe it to our God. See, there's there's a case where I mean, a rut can be good, but it can be extremely devastating because certain things can become meaningless. So we prayed again. There, <clears throat> there are ruts that people get in that one is like late for church. You know, it's amazing that some of you, same ones, 
always have something to come up. <clears throat> There's some people that they miss, they miss song service or they miss a lot of worship service. They do that because they're always running late. But <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> it's not just church; it's just they just run late. They just they just just run late. Yeah, it doesn't make any difference how close to church you live or how far away. I was amazed. Sister Grant and I lived in the same house 21 years. That when we moved 10 miles away, <coughs> just that change in the time in which we started getting ready, how much it affected. Just kind of got, I had to get out of routine. And uh, I said, you know, this is kind of crazy. I've <coughs> been doing this for 21 years, and now I... Surely I'm smart enough to figure, you know, if it takes me 20 minutes to come to church now as opposed to five, but all I have to do is start getting ready 15 minutes early in order to get church at the same time. But the first month was kind of a struggle. I said, can, can you believe this? Now, I've got to be more intelligent than this. <coughs> Just back it up 15 minutes. That's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? <coughs> But it's amazing, isn't it, how, 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 how much of a rut you can get in. And certain things just have to be done a certain way. And uh, I mentioned uh, uh, Jeff and Valerie's wedding. See, Jeff came, J Jeff, Jeff is not traditional. Uh, he hasn't been around long enough for us to school him into to, to, to the traditions, you know. Uh, <coughs> uh, I, I will say this. You know, God God wants to push us out of our ruts. I'm not saying everybody ought to be like Jeff Baum. Please understand, I just wonder what I'm saying at all. Uh, if everybody was like Jeff Baum, uh, we just have to kick the chairs out, and, and we we would have to change a lot of things. <coughs> you know, it's it's something how when we rub shoulders with each other, how we. We, 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 we finally find something that kind of fits us all. You, know, you understand what I'm talking about? But I'm talking about the person that just just, just outright opposes any change. Has it, has it ever occurred to you that, that the Holy Ghost is wanting to move upon you to change you? Here, here's another example. Get in the habit of missing church and see how easy it is to miss church. And it doesn't bother you at all. But now if you, if you set... A pattern for yourself, which you you come it is, I mean, it, it, the question is never, are we going to church or not? That's hard to settle. I'm going, and some people say, well, if we feel well, well, just put that little addendum to it and see how often you don't feel good. See, you, all you have to do is just put that little addendum to it. You say, well, if I feel well, I'll, I'll go. What makes you think you're going to get sick every every time church service comes around? Why is it a consideration? I mean, when you work on a job, you don't tell your, your employer, well, I'm going to come if I feel well. He's going to get skeptical, isn't he? He's going to say, oh, you have a problem with sickness? He said, oh, no, I just thought I'd throw that in. Well, listen, let's forget about that again. You come to work. <clears throat> it's not very inspiring, is it? You know, it's good for you to hear this, though. It really is. Because I have a feeling that the Holy Ghost getting down is going to going to uproot some of you and say, okay, now it's time for a change. Now you're going to have to make a change. 
You're going to have to be different from what you used to be. Yeah. But certain things, we get, we get into those habits. I, uh, I guess one of the, the best persons that I've ever had any dealings with, uh, the best person I've ever had any dealings with, I should put it that way, that's more correct, and, or that is correct. The best person I've ever had any dealings with it was in this area was Brother Fred Foster. He was, in our, he was our Bible school president. Uh, our church in Henderson, Texas, <clears throat> we, uh, we sung a lot of fast songs, but we, we had a lot of slow songs too. I, I really like uh, slow songs a little bit better than fast ones. i got to tell you that. And, and there are certain styles of singing that I, I just don't care much for. <clears throat> uh, I don't like anything that's real country. Uh, <clears throat> I don't like anything that's real classical, almost opera style. Every now and then at a conference, I hear someone singing like that. And uh, <clears throat> but uh, <clears throat> Brother Fred Foster told us said uh, when we were in Bible school, he said, "Now you, you got to understand one thing. What if every time you ate a meal, you ate the same thing?" What if your mother always served you pie? Or what if she always served you potatoes? And eat all the potatoes you want. Just potatoes, potatoes, potatoes. After a while, you know, you're just great big 300-pound potato. So you know, just potato, potato. Or ice cream. You know, just, eat just ice cream. <clears throat> he said, you're going to find out that the best thing that ever happens to you is to force yourself to enjoy a good variety of preaching and teaching and singing and worship. It will be the best thing that ever happened to you. When you get to heaven, the variety is going to be much greater than it is down here. It is. Somehow you think, well, God's just going to give me this whatever it is, whenever I'm totally transformed to make me enjoy everything. He said, well, you got the same Holy Ghost that's going to change you then, it'll change you now. So why don't you just enjoy life right now? Now, he said, you'll find out that <clears throat> if you can do that, you can stay out of a spiritual rut. It's extremely important. When, when the pastor invites an evangelist and he comes by and he preaches, if he is all fire and that's pretty much what he is, enjoy. What are you going to do? Anyway. Enjoy. If he comes by and he's all teaching and that's all he is, just enjoy it. Some young man gets up that's never preached before and he doesn't do a good job, enjoy it. I mean, he's, he's, he's one of us. The first pictures that my, my kids painted, and, and I, I didn't particularly think they were great. I've got one on the refrigerator I just pulled out the other day, and I put it on the refrigerator, and it's, it's this two-dad from Steve. 
and Steve must have been five or six years old. He had the pulpit, had the mic. The mic came up here, got a great big uh, cord on it, comes up like this, and he's got a on and off switch. It's almost as big as my head. It says off, on. <clears throat> now, I don't ever remember preaching in short sleeve shirts, but he has me in a short sleeve shirt, and he's got hair all down my arm, hair on my hand, you know. <clears throat> it's just, I mean, it, you look at that and you say, no. <clears throat> well, you know what? He was doing his best, and he did it for me. I've got a couple now on the refrigerator from, from some of the young kids of the church. Keep those things. Just put them on the refrigerator. Sister Grant likes to clutter it up. I don't like it cluttered up, but she does. <clears throat> so we reached a compromise. It stays cluttered up. <clears throat> yeah. You know, you know what they 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 say. You know, <clears throat> what is the what is the secret to a successful marriage? I, I tell everybody, I know the secret. I rule the roost. That's it. You want to know what the secret to a successful marriage is? I rule the roost. And she rules the rooster. (laughs) 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 Now, let me let me let me just let me go into something a little bit more evangelistic and we're going to cut this off. You know, the truth of the matter is that life pushes you into a mold or into a rut. It's, it's, just, it's not just in the area of religion, but it's, it's in the area of life. You get up a certain time every day, you work a certain number of hours, you have to get a certain amount of rest. A lot of people suffer from burnout because of this. They just, they get in a rut that they, I mean, in a mold they can't, let me just talk to some of you, okay? You know, I talked about the rhythm of life. The rhythm of life is that you worship, and you work, you play, and you rest. Prove that scripturally. And I'll take the time to prove all that. You know, it's amazing. Someone asked me, why do you think, Brother Grant, that New Testament Christians worshiped on Sunday instead of Saturday? I think it's very plain. Maybe it's something you never heard. Well, to start with, let's let's back up a little bit. Did you know that when God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, it was not making any reference to work. The Jewish Sabbath, Sabbath was not a day originally for worship. It wasn't. It was a day for rest. This is why that a man was stoned when he picked up sticks on the Sabbath. Now in the days of Jesus, they were going to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. But originally, the Sabbath day was a day of rest. But see, if people work two or three jobs, they get into this rut. They can't come to church because I'm working. 
You just don't know the people say, well, I can't come because I'm working. Just working. Just burning the candle at both ends. After a while, the relationship with God falls. After a while, everything drops. After a while, your interest in life is pretty much just bland. You settle in for life in the area of the mediocre. Just fared to Midland. Just so-so. Then people get tired of living. Isn't there something better in life than this? But I can't get out of it. I just can't. I've even talked to people about giving their heart to God. You know, the big, a lot of people's big question is, I would, but I don't know how I can get to church. You ever hear that? Had a lady call me, a very sincere lady. She said, Pastor, I just don't know. Do you think God can really save a sinner like me? I said, why not? She said, but you don't know the rut I'm in. I feel like a thousand chains are tied to my soul. I said, well, have you been praying? I just can't make myself pray. You follow what I'm saying? Talking about a rut. Been reading your Bible. I try, but it's just, it seems like that every time I pick up the Bible, there's a, there's a hand that's pushing me away from the Scripture. That's what it is. Oh, I tried to fast. You know, you mentioned fasting. Uh, <clears throat> I missed one meal, but I ate an hour later. She said, I, I know that it ought to be easier than that because every now and then I get real busy in camp and it doesn't bother me. But whenever I say, well, I'm fasting, it's, it's like there's, a, there's just a big hand reaches out and pulls me and, and just pulls me to this food and says, you've got to consume this. You've got to now. You know, there's havoc in our home. <clears throat> I fuss and fight with my son all the time. Don't know why, but I do. We scream and yell at each other. I sat down the other night and said, look, we're going to start praying before we go to bed. We both agreed, but we haven't prayed yet. Seems like I just can't get up and get things going. I can't discipline myself. Life is hard. What should I do? Do you really think that God can save a sinner like me? I really believe I can. He can. I need to see you. She said, well, <clears throat> the soonest that you can see me is Saturday morning. So I set an appointment for Saturday morning. Friday night, neighbor called and said, Pastor Grant, are you coming over to this person's house? I said, yes. No need of coming. I said, oh, but I have to come. I've got to help this lady. No, you can't help her now. What happened? She killed herself last night. Yeah. Inability to change. Just can't get out of my rut. Right. 
tell you a real story. A little son won a Sunday school contest only a week or so before then. She was running down the aisle while I was giving that gift with a little Instamatic camera taking pictures. She was so happy about her son winning this contest. But life, life, life has created such a rut for her. Had a problem with drinking, had a problem with drugs. Just had problems. Can't get out of it. You know what you need? You need God to breathe upon you like you breathe upon Adam. <sighs> to give you a new life. You know what you need? You need the voice of God to thrunt thunder through the blackness of the night to separate light from darkness. You know, it did that one time before, and it can do that right tonight for you. You need the breath of God to divide the waters from the land, that is, you from your problem. If God could do it to a planet Earth, he can do it inside of your heart tonight. If God could part the Red Sea for three million Jewish people, certainly he could push back the forces that keep you out of the promised land. Believe it. I believe it. You see, Jesus said in Matthew eleven thirty, Come unto me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You know what he said? He said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. It's only easy when you depend on God. So it's only easy when you depend on God. Doesn't the Bible tell us in the book of Proverbs that the way of the transgressor the hard way. Yeah, that's what it says. And I'll tell you, the devil can dig, dig such a rut that you can't get out. God has to lower down a line to pull you out. He has to bring in a dozer to dig a road out. He has to get at the end of the rut and make a way of escape. But he can do that. He can do that. I don't want to just talk this to death, and I know I've been preaching for a while. I want everyone right now to close your eyes. Now, I'm not just speaking to the people who are unsaved. I'm speaking to all of you. You feel that you're in a rut. You feel that somehow life has you in a rut. Can you depend on God to get you out of that? Some people, you know, they just, they've just drawn conclusions that the way I am is the way I'm always going to be because it's been this way so long. Oh, no. If I believed that, I'd close my Bible and I'd quit preaching. But I believe that I'm preaching about a God that gives hope. Hope to the hopeless. Rest to the weary. Breath to the breathless.
you're tired, why don't you follow the cloud? <laughs> Maybe the pillar of fire is moving tonight for you. Whatever it is, don't be afraid to follow Jesus. We'd like for Sister Wittenbach, Sister Grant, and the praise singers to come back. Oh, Jesus. You're coming soon, Lord. Lord, I feel pressure on me to push me out of my rut. I feel, Lord, that you've lowered a line for me tonight that I can hang on to and you'll pull me out. You feel that? Oh, yes. Now I'd like for you to stand, if you would. First to you who have never been born of water and the Spirit. Brother Grant does not have the ability to change a Bible. That's one of the immutables. The Word of God's infallible. I can't do anything about that. I might go some other place where they teach something else. The Catholics believe in the supremacy of the church and the Pope. Simply means the church can change it, the Pope can. <clears throat> you really can't. They believe that. Well, you're just looking at a man. I'm not the Pope. I can't change it. And this is not a church that has the ability to do anything about it. We believe the Bible like it is. We cannot change it. If you've never been born of water and of spirit, this is the night. Bring your tired, weary soul to the feet of Calvary. Come on right now. Who'd like to be the first one to step out? Come and give the heart to the Lord. Come on right now. Praise God. God bless these young men who are coming. I think most of these have been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, maybe all of them. <clears throat> Come on right now. Do we have a person here who's never repented of their sins? Why don't you step out and come on right now? Come on and give your heart to God. Come on right now, would you? Come on right now. Oh, Jesus, Lord.
Yea, my child, it is not necessary for you to open your physical eyes to pick your own way, but open your faith, and through faith, you will see that I have made a way for you. If you will step out by faith and walk by faith, I will show you great and wonderful and marvelous things. I do have new life for you. I have new breath for you. I have a fresh challenge for you. I have an adventurous journey for you. If you will put your trust and your confidence in me, I, the Lord your God, will lead you to that great victory that you have longed for in your soul for so many years. I stand at the door of your heart and knock and ask that you open up and let me come in and let me show you what great things I have for you, saith the Lord. Oh, I just feel in the Spirit right now that God's speaking specifically to, to, to one person here. I don't know who you are, but God's speaking to you. Come on right now. Come on right now. Oh, some of you come pray with this gentleman who's come down the front, would you? Some of your brothers come to pray with him. Come on, right now. Hallelujah. Anybody else you feel God's talking to you? Step out right now. Come on, right now. And give your heart to God. Come on. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. That's it. Gather around this man. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. That's it. Give God everything right now. Wherever you are, surrender your heart to God right now. Surrender your life to the Lord right now. Come on, right now. Said, come on right now find a place to pray find a place to seek the Lord 